Welcome to Four Starters Podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm coming to you from my living room uh, today, Saturday. It's a wonderful day. It's a great way to start the podcast because there's a lot of content, a lot of news, especially with uh, the messy uh, news of him staying in Barcelona. It, it looks like he will be staying after all, uh, amongst other things, the NBA also, some more soccer transfer news and new NBA uh, coaching hires. Uh, we also have some football to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started with uh, the Lionel Messi and Barcelona uh, decision to stay at Barcelona. So at this point in time, you know a lot of a lot of speculation has has taken place, of course. Uh, before he left, whether he was before he he decided to say, excuse me, whether he was going to remain at Barcelona, whether there was rumors of him being linked to Manchester City and Pep Guardiola. Um, to be completely honest, I really thought that he was going to leave. Messi is regarded as one of the best soccer players, if not the best soccer player of all time. Um, and given the current level of competitiveness taking place at Barcelona, it's very hard for me to to believe that he would want to stay in such a uh, a most people would say a toxic place. Um, coming from the front office, um, the you know the big wigs all the way down to the manager, uh, the assistant managers, and of course then it, it spreads through the players, right? So, having said that, there was also speculations that he was going to be able to stay because uh, he still had a year contract. So, we stopped speculating yesterday, and we finally got the facts directly from the horse's mouth, that being messy. He gave an interview to Goal, an exclusive interview to Goal, right after the, bru- the news broke out of him deciding to stay at Barcelona. Um, His words, not mine, he felt that he was suffering during practice. He felt suffering during games. He wasn't comfortable anymore. More specifically, he felt that the team was doing him a disservice. Um, Now, how strange is the relationship between the best player on the planet and possibly the best club on the planet after 20 years? Well, one would say very stranded. Um, Why is this? There have been complete and utter just ridiculization of this club at the highest of the levels uh, after the defeat to Bayern Munich uh, with a global scoreboard of 8-2 to two, um, on, in favor of Bayern Munich and the elimination of Barcelona yet again during the semifinals uh, versus you know another powerhouse in Europe uh, thus being uh, Bayern Munich and if you are a Bayern Munich fan, congratulations to you, you are Europe's champion, so that, that's great however, what's not great is for a club that is so highly regarded as Barcelona is to lose in such a fashion, um, not just lose, but just be completely and utterly dominated. Eight to two. 
that is just mind-boggling. Because if you're Barcelona, you've spent money on Antoine Griezmann, money on Umtiti, money on all of these other different transfers, and you have nothing to show for it. You have no La Liga trophy, you have no Champions League, and you have no Copa del Rey. So what exactly are you doing with your squad? Are you just adding pieces just because? And again, this is something that Messi also brought up to, to in the interview. He said the team now is just... It's not a winning squad. The team has not put together a winning team, but a lot of filling holes and juggling with team roles. So, basically what he's saying is players have decided to transfer out of the squad and the team has just said, okay, let's hire X player. Let's hire Y player. Now, have they thought whether this player fits into the squad does it does he bring the necessary chemistry in order to take this club to the next level or or continue to be the competitive team that it always has been uh, the answer is no obviously being the current state of the team now another thing that he also brought up and he just came out and blatantly said it and he had no there was no stuttering there was no uh, hesitation in this Messi is at, you know pretty much letting us know that he told the president that he wanted to leave at the beginning of the year he told this to Jose Maria Bartolomeu who said okay whenever you want to leave you can definitely leave as you know as you wish it, this is your call you make the call Now, the club and the president of the club are backing out and saying, well, he did advise us of this, but it was past June 10th. Now, on June 10th, as Messi is also confirmed, and we all know, obviously, because we watched the games, La Liga was still going on. If you stop and you make this public that, as, as Lionel Messi, that you want to leave the club, you are bringing rain down upon yourself. Rain down of criticisms. If the team fails, it's all your fault because you brought all this unnecessary attention to you. You are pretty much Barcelona itself. Messi equals Barcelona and Barcelona equals Messi. So when you bring those news out to the public right in the middle of the tournament, right in the middle of the of, of gameplay and, and champions play, forget about it. It's, it's a huge distraction. Nobody wants that. And obviously... He would pretty much take the whole burden upon himself. That, as a player, you you cannot put all that on your back. And Messi has been putting the team on his back for the last 20 years. So, basically, Messi just wants to win. He doesn't feel like he could do that at Barcelona anymore. He feels as though... The club needs new players, new ideas, new everything in order for the club to succeed. Now, did he have the opportunity to take the club to court and fight them in a court circuit? Absolutely. Was he going to do that? No. He himself says he loves Barcelona. He is. He doesn't owe them anything. I don't feel like he owes them anything, but he feels... 
I don't want to say in debt to them, but there is definitely uh, a lot of not just the love, but respect and gratitude more than anything for the fact that, you know, the only team that was wanting to bet on this 12-year-old kid from Argentina, from Rosario, Argentina, was Barcelona. And after 20 years that this man now has given his life, his energy, and possibly his best years, all he wants to do at this point in time is just win. That's all he wants to do. He doesn't, he could, I think, I think he could care less about the money. The reason being is because he's made so much of it through endorsements, contracts, extensions. I mean, you know, signings, you call it. This man, this man makes money in his sleep. So does he care about money? Obviously not. He, he cares about the silverware. What can I bring to the team? To make the team better, whether it's a trophy, whether it's you know a, a title, something, bring the team something, or at least be competitive, not come short and lose to you know another European team eight to two. That's just that's embarrassing. That's just not losing. It's it's losing without even giving up a fight. To be completely honest with you, so. Honestly, that's just my opinion on the on the whole thing. Um, I really believe that Messi made a a decision that's. Um, I'm, I mean, it's his decision. I can't say whether it's right or wrong, but he made a decision where no one gets affected by this. Um, he is obviously committed to the team. He is committed to being the excellent player that he has always been. So, and, and as a competitor. Um, well, from one competitor to another, I don't see Lionel Messi being saying, you know what, this is the end of the road for me. I'm just going to go ahead and cruise it out for the rest of the year. No, he is going to continue to compete, continue to be that that uh, catalyst, catalyst, excuse me, catalyst that the team needs uh, in order for the team to succeed. So, again, being just very candid here. I feel that we will continue to see the brilliance of Messi out on the pitch. Uh, I really, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I think as a soccer slash football fan, um, we have been, you know, extremely blessed to be able to live in this era where Lionel Messi just controls and dominates the pitch, right? Um, just, I mean. This is my opinion. If I were his coach and we were playing teams like Real Betis or uh, Alanes or Abar and we're winning 3 nothing, 2 nothing, and it's the 75th minute, pull him out. Let's pull him out. This cat has a lot of miles, a lot of minutes being played on the game. This guy plays 90 minutes. Every game, every, almost every third night. Um, is he tired? Yes, of course he's tired. He's done this for 20 years. Do you think you, would you want to play 90 minutes for 20 years straight every third night playing soccer with very little breaks in between in comparison to how much you play on a nightly basis? No, you wouldn't want to. 
but he does it. Yes, it is his profession. Yes, it is his job. That he that is what he chose to do. But one at one point or another, you have to say, okay, I have to take care of my body because at the end of the day, I am also a a father, and I will be not just. I want to be there for my kids in the future, right? You can't do that if your knees are jacked up, if your ankles are jacked up. You know, if in the middle of play you're puking your guts out. And he that has happened. So, you know, just let's let's make sure we keep this player healthy. Uh, let's make sure that you know he gets the best. We get the best years of from him and uh, the best performance that we can have from Lionel Messi. Uh, if you you know are his coach, I beg that you do this. Now, in more soccer news, we have a few more transfers out of. Oh, guess what? Barcelona. So, Luis Suarez has now decided to sign with Juventus at this point in time. So, he is out of there as well as Arturo Vidal is right now in the middle of talks with Inter Milan. Which is very interesting because um, those two players, I see a trend there. I see Barcelona maybe getting ready, ready to get rid of some older players. Which is fine. You know, you definitely want to go ahead and bring the the. The newer generation in, let them get uh, soaked into some experience and and maybe start rebuilding from the you know from the ground up. Um, however, Barcelona is close to signing Memphis Depay. Um, he is, I believe, he is coming in uh, from Ajax, which should be an interesting signing. Felipe Coutinho returns back from Bayern Munich, uh, and this I think this is the most interesting. One of all of the um, Barcelona exits, which is Ivan Rakitic. He is leaving and he has signed for Sevilla. He is um, he's collected a total of 13 trophies with Barcelona, which, you know, it, it is a very commendable thing. Uh, on the other side, we have Chelsea FC, who is making splashes with the signings of Hakim Sayen, uh, Timo Werner, Ben Chilwell. Uh, it looks like... Uh, Thiago Silva and Kai Havertz. All, all those players uh, are very, very good players. Thiago Silva is known to be a world-class defender. Uh, Timo Werner, of course, another class act um, on goal scoring. And uh, he is definitely making this uh, presence felt of our UEFA Nations League, uh, which, is, which is amazing. Uh, so that's that on the transfer news. Now... Moving on to the uh, another sport, which is going to be the NBA. Last night, I had the chance to watch the the Bucks. You know, pretty much dig themselves into a hole after you know the three and start against the Miami Heat. Uh, the team looked very out of whack with a possible. Injured Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, that ankle just looks really, really weak, and he looks like he's in pain every time he goes up and then comes right back down uh, from a dunk or, or even a layup. Um, now, I want to talk about something that's that caught my eye while not just looking at, not just watching the game, but also looking at the box score. The most important thing, or the one big the biggest takeaway that I take from 
last night's game is the fact that down the stretch um, in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee ended up getting outscored 40-13. to 13. That cannot happen. That must not happen if you are already down 2 nothing against a Miami Heat. A Miami Heat that has Jimmy Butler, that has Dragic, that has Tyler Hero, that also has Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala. These are all killers. These are all sharks. These people, these guys, they smell blood in the water and they're going in for the kill. They don't care. They, they are there to prove the world wrong. I'm just I'm baffled by what I saw last night. And going back to the scoreboard, Wesley Matthews, who is supposed to be a defensive player, but also a three-point threat, played a total of 21 minutes, six points. Okay. Defensive threat. Cool. Marlon Williams. 22 minutes, 2 points. Alright, cool. He had 9 rebounds. Alright, that's fine. Now, Eric Bledsoe, this one is one that just kind of, sort of, I don't want to say rubbed me me the wrong way, but caught my eye the most and stood out of the page the most, is the fact that he had 30 minutes of play with 8 points. So, combined... These three players had 16 points. Three bench players with a total of 16 points. That, I don't know if this is something that should happen to the number one team with the best record in the NBA this year. Or if it's due to the fact that they're not necessarily playing in their arena. Is the arena playing a role in this? Are the fans playing a role in this? I really, I don't think so. I don't think so because at the end of the day, the arena that you're playing in or that they're playing in, is it's much smaller. There are no distractions. You can hear everything and anything that your coach tells you. There's no, nothing gets lost in the shuffle as far as, you know, the instructions are concerned. So maybe it's just a lack of all-around effort that uh, the Bucks are missing uh, from from you know their bench. It's very interesting that uh, Giannis, just being the defensive player of the year, isn't able to contain a Jimmy Butler or a, a, a you know a rookie Tyler Hero or you know a. I don't want to say second-tier player, but, you know, just a team that is wasn't destined to go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, which, at this point in time, if the Bucks don't get their stuff together, they are pretty much facing elimination at this point. That's it. Next game is either win or go home. Win or go home after all the hype, after all the hoopla about beer to deer and all this other great stuff. 
we're not we, but the Bucks are looking at possibly going home the next game. And, and I, again, like I said earlier, these guys, this group of guys, were already mentally tough. And by these guys, I mean the Heat. We're already mentally tough and prepared. And the missing piece of the puzzle was Jimmy Butler. The Heat was already showing flashes last season of, I don't want to say greatness, but flashes of potentially get, going, getting to the next level and getting back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, giving, you know, the Bucks all the trouble that they can get. Um, so, I mean, I, I hate to see it, but it's more than likely going to happen. The Bucks are going to be swept. And I'm, I have been wrong before. I may be wrong this time, but it's just a feel that the team is giving you. And the team is just not clicking right now. It's just not, they're not firing all cylinders. I'm not sure if it's due to injury. I'm not sure if it's due to exhaustion or just the fact that they're not playing in their regular arena or it's just too much pressure. There's been too much hype during the season. I don't know, but something needs to change if the Bucks want to continue down the road and possibly make a, a comeback, although there hasn't been a 3-0 comeback in all of playoff history. There has been, however, a... 3-0 comeback in the NBA Finals with the uh, uh, Cavaliers, uh, LeBron James's Cavaliers uh, back in 2016, I believe. If I'm not wrong, I may be wrong. I don't know. But the point is, they just need to get it together. Uh, now, another game that was going on last night was the Lakers uh, losing to the Rockets in Game One. Another, well, I don't want to say another shocker because. The Bucks losing to the Heat was definitely not a shocker. It was more like, we kind of saw that coming the last two games. But it, this one was definitely a shocker because, I mean, the Rockets just came from a seven, like literally seven game series uh, playing every other night. And I really thought we were going to see a tired Houston Rockets team, but on the contrary, these guys, they pretty much ran with the game the whole time. I mean, after the first quarter, when the Lakers were leading 15 to 16, after that, it was all Rockets leading the whole game. Not one time did did I see the Lakers make a you know, more than 10 nothing run. Very, very few times did, you, did I see them making a the Lakers make a run. Um, it looks like small ball is paying off over in uh, in Houston and Mike D'Antoni. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't see it happening. I didn't see it work out. And the reason being is because you have players like Anthony Davis, uh, JaVale McGee, uh, true seven-footers that are out there ready to crush your hopes and dreams as you, you know, make a run to the basket. And, um, we saw some of that yesterday, you know, LeBron, you know, running, chasing down Westbrook and, and blocking the mess out of this, you know, shot going for a layup. Um, and I believe James had 
two blocks, which, you know, is great at his age. What he does at, you know, the age of 35 years old and after a 17 season, it's, it's just amazing uh, to be able to go ahead and, and compete and the level of athleticism that he has is just remarkable. Um, but, you know, just at times during the game, the Lakers looked like they were completely out of breath. They looked like they were ready to throw in the towel. Um, sort of like a boxer on the, you know, 10, 11th round who's had just enough, but is able to, you know, keep their hands up and just sort of defend themselves, maybe throw a jab here and there, but not quite go for the knockout, not quite go for the kill, which ultimately that, I, I believe that's what got the Lakers uh, in, in this position of being down, you know, one game to nothing in the you know, in this uh, seven-game series, potential seven-game series. Now, do I think that uh, the Lakers are in trouble? Absolutely not. I don't think so. I think Frank Vogel is a very intelligent coach. He will be able to go ahead and figure this out and, uh, you know, make a competitive series. Do I think that either team has a chance to win the game, you know, the series? Absolutely. This is going to be a one of those very close series, I believe, and it is going to come down to the wire. Um, maybe yesterday they were just sizing each other up and just kind of sort of seeing what one or the other was all about. And uh, at this point in time, I'm sure Frank Vogel is going back to the drawing board and drew some plays up and, and said, hey guys, look, at, we got to tighten it up here, here, and here on the defensive side. And uh, on the offensive side, I'm sure LeBron James is, you know, talked to his guys and said, this cannot happen again. This type of level of effort cannot be shown and cannot be, uh, yeah, pretty much shown by us on a nightly basis, especially against a team such as, you know, that dangerous as is the um, Houston Rockets. So, you know, best of luck for those team for those, both of those teams. Now, I do want to go ahead and just remind everybody that tonight we have Raptors versus Celtics. Uh, Celtics seem to be up in that uh, series. At this point in time, they're giving a lot of um, a lot of trouble to the Raptors. Uh, mind y'all, the Raptors are the defending world champs. Uh, they have fought, and the last game came down to a buzzer beater. Um, so that that should be an interesting series just because Boston is just looks like they're on another level uh, and are leading the Raptors two to one. Game's at 5:30 Central Standard Time on TNT. So make sure you guys check that out. Also, we have the Clippers versus the Nuggets. Uh, the Clippers are leading that series one to nothing. Uh, the Nuggets just seem to be out of gas. For sure, uh, because it looks like they pulled a seven-game series against Utah. Utah just pretty much lost out of mistakes, silly little mistakes, and it, it cost them the series. It is what it is, and you know, hopefully, they'll be able to go ahead and move on and bring it next year for sure. They deserve it. I think Utah Jazz have come a long way from where they were five, six years ago. At this point in time, they are definitely a force to be reckoned with in the West. Um, another team that also made it 
made it quite far, well, at least made it to the playoffs, um, was the Dallas Mavericks. Now, look at Doncic, uh, KP, or, you know, Kristaps uh, Porzingis have actually been playing well together. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, Luka Doncic is able to, you know, just sort of, I don't want to say mature, but learn from previous mistakes, which, uh, well, when you think about it, it's ultimately maturing. Um, but hopefully, he is able to bring a little bit more to the table. Uh, I noticed a lot that he would literally just look at the ref every time he would drive to the basket and feel any type of contact. Um, I don't feel that he is yet at the... Is he an all-star? Absolutely. Is he a superstar? He is about 90% ready to be a superstar. Do do, do superstars get calls every time? You bet. Does James Harden get calls almost every time he drives to the basket? Absolutely. So, maybe just sort of lay off the refs a little bit. Um, There's three type of games that you want to play, right? You want to play your game. You can play the refs game. or Or you can play your opponent's game. If Luka just plays his game and doesn't focus on what the refs are going or not going to do, I think he will save a lot more energy for things that actually matter, like those last-second shots uh, where he was able to, that he was able to bang against the Clippers. That was sensational. That was amazing. I mean, I literally jumped out of my seat, and I, and I yelled out, wow, that, and yes, and, and just everything. I mean, my wife... My kids looked at me like, whoa, you just scared the crap out of us. And I, you know, with reason, I was excited. Uh, I live in Dallas, so it is. it was quite, uh, you know, something to be able to see and, and witness the, the, the greatness of such a young player. Um, I definitely wanted him to stick around in, in Dallas and be able to, you know, lift the franchise back where it was uh, when we had Dirk. Uh, do I want Kristaps Porzingis in Dallas? Absolutely. Kristaps Porzingis is is a world class player, um, an international player at that. So, you know, definitely want to keep him around. Maxi Kleba too. I think the whole Dallas Mavericks squad is, is a good is a good fit, uh, with the exceptions of a, of a few. Um, uh, not going to mention names because uh, then maybe Justin Jackson may get upset at the fact that he misses wide open layups, but uh, that's really neither here or there. That's more in the past. However, um, we definitely want to build a team around Luka, and there may be, you know, after this uh, playoff series, there may be other players that may want to come in and play in Dallas with Luka uh, and, and definitely, you know, uh, be able to win some, win some championships with them. Um, that's going to be it for me uh, today. I really just wanted to go ahead and get the podcast started with this first episode. I do want to go ahead and thank you guys once again for listening in. It is uh, definitely a pleasure to be able to do this. Um, I was with uh, the you know, Season Ticks podcast. We've, I've rebranded over to Four Starters. Uh, we also have a new account handle on Twitter. If you want to definitely follow us and, you know, give us a shout out, send us some DMs. Uh, we are now the new handle. Dun, dun, dun. Is at the number four 
underscore starters with a Z as in zebra at underscore starters and uh, again send us uh, your opinions remarks feedback they're always welcome thank you for your time and I hope you guys enjoy your weekend peace